Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. Pastor Ben Pitney continues our series called One Love with a message titled The Good News of Peace. Join us in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 20. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Well, it's good to see you this morning, and uh, we are journeying through this series called One Love. It is a a series that is uh, meant to address, by drawing the truth out of the text, about a battle and a war, a great war against the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. So we've been talking about Satan, hell, war, spiritual warfare, all this craziness, and That's why we use Megadeth as the bumper music. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So um, today, uh, I want to get to something. You can take your Bible out and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. So there's a Bible underneath every black chair in the auditorium. And there's half of the people in the audience are female, and they almost... 99% of them have a pen in their purse. And about 80% of the 99% have two pens. Okay? So uh, if you need one of those, because you're going to want to take some notes. You put these notes on your worship tool, and um, there's some fill-in-the-blanks and things. And um, I'm not putting it on the screen. Okay? So you're going to need to follow along. Now, you can take out your phone or... Uh, that kind of thing, too, and follow along. I'm pretty committed uh, recently to that. I think we're in a little bit of a bad habit of not bringing our Bible to church. So that's this is my effort to encourage you, all right, to bring your Bible and mark it up and get it dirty and underline things. And, you know, if you forget it, it'll be here. We got a big box of people who forget their Bibles, okay? So... All right, now, here's a couple of things. All that happens in our life. We're talking about this war for one love. God wants to be loved, and he's the, he's the only thing that he wants us to love, okay? And so Satan wants us to love him, and he schemes and develops all kinds of manipulating ways to, to battle for our love. And... So that's, that's what's going on here is this war between the two kingdoms. And we are in the middle of this war on purpose. We're in the middle on purpose with purpose. There's a design. There's purpose. There's reason why God has left Satan alive and he hasn't wiped him off the face of the universe. He could do that very easily. He leaves him in place for a reason. He's a, he's, he's, this battle is purposeful, and there's purpose for us in the battle. We're going to talk about that a little bit more today. Now, Ephesians chapter 6 is a pretty famous little chapter about putting on the armor of God. And I'm not going to talk through all the armor today. I'm going to talk to you just basically about one piece of the armor, okay? And I think that it's a, it's a little bit different angle maybe than you've uh, been thinking through, but let's start with just reading the Bible verses, um, Ephesians chapter uh, 6, and we're going to start in verse 10, okay? Start in verse 10. 
Finally, be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Clothe yourselves with the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand your ground on the evil day and having done everything to stand, stand firm. You know, how many times do you say it stands, right? I would pay attention to that. Stand firm, therefore, by fastening the belt of truth around your waist, by putting on the breastplate of righteousness, by fitting your feet with the preparation that comes from the good news of peace, and all of this by taking up the shield of faith, which... You can extinguish all the flames and arrows uh, of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. With every prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit and to this end, be alert with all perseverance and petitions for all the saints. Pray for me also that I may be given the right words when I begin to speak, that I may be confidently Confidently make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may be able to speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, there's a couple things here that I really love. There's a lot there. I like how he lays out this armor, but uh, Paul, but at the end, I like how he asks to be prayed for, for what he's supposed to do. I think he's modeling something there about the battle, about the war, and we're going to kind of discover that. So we've been talking about this battle for a while, but what I want to encourage you to know and understand a little bit more is, is that all that happens to us in our lives as Christ followers, as believers in Jesus, all that discourages us, all the things that defeat us, that confuse us, that render us indifferent to the truth of God, all that stuff is all a part of this great war and this battle. And it's a battle for one love, we've said, all right? The kingdom of God is at war with the kingdom of Satan. The battle is is about replacing the lies of the devil with truth, okay? A lot of times, um, you know, the devil, he's so manipulative and he's so scheming and he can't, he's not omniscient. He can't be everywhere at once. He's not omnipresent, right? But he's crafty and brilliant and so he has his ways of uh, marshalling the troops, so to speak, that are with him and unleashing this spirit of uh, all kinds of <clears throat> craziness. And so maybe you've been depressed um, before. You know that the devil uses depression, I think, a lot. And um, he begins to lie to us about who we are. And we begin to believe it over time. And so this is, this is where this, this war kind of fleshes out a lot of times. And that's why we have to replace the lies that the devil has convinced us of with the truth of God's word. So this is what's going on. These things, uh, all these kinds of things have been, um, been going on. And you, you can look back over this year, maybe just recently, right? And you can see failure, problems, weaknesses, um, obstinance, stubbornness. 
rebellion, and other things in your life that you're not proud of. So all these things are, are real, right? These things have been manifestations of this great war that we're engaged in. And remember, keep in mind, we've already kind of taught through this quite a bit that this is purposeful. God hasn't turned his head and said, oh, man, I never saw this come and shoot. Now there's a war. Okay, that's not, that's not the way it is. He's purposeful with all of this. So there's purpose in the battle and the war, and there's purpose, and we have a purpose in it. Okay, so we know also, we've talked about this, when you look forward, we know the future will be a time of conflict and struggle and more war. We already know that. It's not like it's just going away, um, at least uh, yet. We know that ultimately the battle will be won, all right? And there is going to come an, an end to it. But we know until that happens, it's war. It's all going to keep happening. So what I want to try to do is, is uh, talk through how can we fight back? In practical terms, what can we do about the war that we face for one love? What can we do? So I want you to, uh, you're in Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to focus on one verse. Go to verse 15. Because here's the verse that we're going to kind of draw out and focus on. I'll camp out on this for a little bit. Verse 15 says, fitting your feet with the preparation that comes from the good news of peace. Now, if you're reading another version, um, uh, that word um, preparation might might say readiness or something like that. Okay. Those are pretty important words. Let's talk about the good news of peace. The good news. Now, I want to work through this, but a lot of times the New Testament will use good news or a word gospel. Same thing, they're interchangeable. The good news is the gospel, all right? So before we focus on the word preparation, or in some of your versions, readiness, I want to talk about this, and uh, we're going to talk about preparation and its place in the armor, all right? I want to say just a word about the good news of peace, though. The good news or the gospel that we have for the world, for our lost families, we have good news for the family that we have in our lives that's lost, Right? Or our lost brother, our lost neighbor, our lost classmate, our our lost colleagues, unreached people groups. The gospel that we have is the good news that God purchased peace for us, right? By the death of his son and offers it to sinners who believe in Jesus. That's what we celebrated during the Lord's Supper, all right? We have the good news that God's omnipotent wrath against sinners has been taken away through the death of Jesus, God's son, right? And everyone who believes is reconciled or made right to him for free by grace. So it's for free. That's the other thing that we celebrate during the Lord's Supper. It's all been done free. All the work's been done by Jesus, and it's offered free. And in the place of enmity or hostility, remember we went back to Genesis and found out where all this began, right, in the garden, the enmity and hostility, right, In that uh, place comes peace now, ushered in through this transformation and regeneration of the Holy Spirit of God making us new. And we have peace. And there's nothing sweeter in all the world than to be at peace with God. God is perfect and holy. That's what the 
children of Israel, God's chosen people, that's what they're afraid of is, oh my gosh, all this thunder and lightning and smoke and fire and mm, wow, right? We want to be at peace with God. How about Moses? You stay in between us and God. We'll do whatever you say, right? There's nothing sweeter than to be at peace with God. So it's a little strange to find peace in the middle of a, of a passage of Scripture that's talking about armor and all that kind of stuff, I think. But it could be said, all right, it's right in the middle. It's dealing with spiritual warfare. It's dealing, de- dealing with conflict and armor. But the point of the warfare is that people would accept the terms of peace that God holds out. That's the point of the warfare, all right? Namely, faith in Jesus, That's what God wants out of this whole thing. That's the purpose of the war and the conflict, that people would accept the terms of peace. They would accept Jesus. Now, the only reason that there's conflict at all is because the power of sin and the power of Satan are in conflict and they don't want peace. Satan doesn't want peace. Satan doesn't want peace with God. He wants you in his kingdom, worshiping him. He wants you to love him. So look at Ephesians 2. So back up just a couple of pages to Ephesians chapter 2. And verse 13, starting at verse 13, we're going to see what Paul is doing. He develops the gospel of peace for us. He just kind of lays it all out. And he he unpacks it, all right? Starting in verse 13 in Ephesians 2, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who used to be far away, you know, far from God, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he's our peace, the one who made both groups into one who, and who destroyed the middle wall of partition, the hostility, right? When he nullified, now nullified doesn't mean abolish, it just means nullified, right? In his flesh, the law of commandments and decrees. See why I said that? Because the commands aren't like abolished. He did this to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. So, verse 16, and to reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by which the hostility has been killed. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near so that Through him, we both have access, one spirit, to the Father. So now we get straight to God because of Jesus. All right. So the good news of peace is that when Christ died and he shed his blood for sin, two kinds of enmity were overcome. The enmity between God and repentant sinners was brought to an end. Once and for all, Jesus died, right? And the enmity between races and factions, she's talking about Jews and Gentiles and this whole thing right there. Races and factions in Christ was brought to an end, so Christ became our peace. That's the gospel of peace. And it's really important to understand that, this gospel of peace, so that we can connect all the dots in uh, in the middle of the battle, our purpose, our mission, who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, why this is all happening, and where's our place in it, all right? Where's our place in it? So we start out here by saying, you know, we're supposed to take up the full armor of God. So we've heard it. Now we, we believe it. So now we got this armor, all right? 
So let's think for a few minutes about this preparation as part of the full armor of God. Look at verses 11 and 12 again, Ephesians 6. So we're back in Ephesians 6, chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. This is just a little rind, really quick, right? Clothe yourselves, starting in verse 11, clothe yourselves with the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Now, so we got to kind of talk about this context of fitting your feet. So I'm going to give you seven things, okay? And you can fill in the blanks. Number one is all of life is at war for this one love. All of life is at war for this one love. From the cradle to the grave, it is purposeful. Life is war. It's a battle. It's a war. There's purpose in it. We've said that. Your soul, your mind, your body, your family, your careers, they're all fields of conflict. It's all out there. It's all got potential to be tremendous conflict all the time. I mean, you experience it all the time, right? Certainly. Until Satan is finally thrown into the lake of fire, our peace with God will have to be vigilant and engaging peace. Because it's not going away till he returns. Because Satan's certainly not going to give us peace if we're at peace with God. I feel like I experienced a little bit of this this week. I, I, you know, I'm teaching through all of this. Satan and his minions and demons and the whole thing. And the, I don't know. I just don't feel like uh, he's super happy about it. So he works on me too and has his way, you know, of kind of getting in my head a little bit, right, through all kinds of stuff, discouraging me, distracting me. All right, number two, the war is against supernatural evil powers. Now, when you start talking about supernatural stuff, I don't know, people get weirded out about that, including me. Now, what is this stuff, right? And it sounds like craziness. Yeah. The war we are in is not the war with flesh and blood, but with supernatural evil powers. What amazing, now here's the thing. Now, I don't know if you think like me, but I'm going to let you in, all right? What amazes me about Paul's words here is not what he affirms, but what he denies. You kind of got to flip it around here. What does he deny, right? I'm not surprised to hear him say that we wrestle with evil, angelic, demonic, supernatural powers. What surprises me, actually, in this whole thing, because I've read a lot about Paul, right? What surprises me is that he says in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I want to say to Paul, I just was straight up say to him, you've been stoned, you've been beaten, you've been imprisoned, you've been run out of town, you've been shipwrecked, your flesh has been torn, your blood has been spilt, and that has hindered your ministry again and again, Paul. The flesh of others has torn your flesh, the blood of others is just, you know, people just really upset, want to kill you, all right? What do you mean our struggle is not against flesh and blood? It's people with their hands and their stones and their rods and their chains have cost you dearly and tested your faith almost to its limit. Are you kidding me? Not flesh and blood? No. Seems like that's everywhere in his life, right? This is what I think Paul would say. I think he would say, you know what? You're right. 
Flesh and blood is real, and it can be very, very evil. But what I mean is this. Whenever someone's flesh attacks me or someone's blood just boils against me and they're just bitter and acidic and want to kill me, or my ways hindered by man, something else is going on, something deeper, something bigger, something more terrible, more sinister, more destructive, more than what meets the eye. I don't mean that flesh and blood can't hurt you or hinder you or hinder the cause of Christ. Of course it can. I mean that the prince of the power of the air, and we'll get to that, you know, that's Satan. He's more dangerous than any of, this, of his subjects and that he must be overcome in, the, in every instance of conflict or the battle is lost. Let's keep going. Ephesians 2, so go back to Ephesians chapter 2, just back up a couple of pages, all right, and look at verses 1 and 2. Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2 says, and although you were dead in your transgressions and sins... Verse 2, in which you, were, you formerly lived according to this world's present path, according to the ruler of the kingdom of the air. There he is. The ruler of the spirit that is now energizing the sons of disobedience. See, that's what he does. He energizes the sons of disobedience, right? You ever thought of him like that? The ruler of the spirit. Spirit that now energizing the sons of disobedience, <laughs> the energizer. It's just, wow. Sure, the sons of disobedience in their flesh and blood, you know, reality can oppose us in spiritual warfare, but it's more, dis- it, here's, here's the thing. And we talked about this with Satan. It's more decisive to defeat the spirit that works in them and the prince of the power of the air than they follow, Right? That's simply to wrestle as though all you are dealing with is human nature. In other words, let's defeat the spirit of the prince of the air. It's more powerful when we do that than just the people and whoever he's using. So the first thing we see in verses 11 and 12 back in chapter 6 is that life is war. And the second thing that we see is that Conflict. If it's if it's if it's going to be successful, it's going to be fought with supernatural demonic forces. If they're not engaged, the victory is superficial. It's just superficial. So engage is really important here. So number three, there's a danger of not standing in this battle. Now, you know, a lot of times you know you read about how many times he says stand. You know, a lot. I don't know. It just happens. I think we've taught this. Purposely, So I'm going to say something that's a little different than maybe the way this passage is taught sometimes. A lot of times the opposite of standing is taught like that's falling, right? The reason why we're supposed to stand, so, you know, to prevent us from not falling and the armors for preventing us from not falling. And that is only partly true. The opposite of standing is sitting or laying down. And I want you to keep that in mind. Now, when I say there's a danger of not standing in the battle, you could say there's a danger in falling in the battle, but let's just call it not standing because 
Three times Paul tells us to take pains to stand, that is, not to sit down, not to lie down. Now, he doesn't want us to fall, and I don't want you to fall either. But sitting down and lying down, I think, is kind of a big deal here, right? Now, let's go on. It's going to keep coming together. Number four, God has made provision God's made provision for us to stand. So here's the fourth thing in these verses. He's made provision for us so that we can stand because he doesn't intend for us to be sitting and laying down. He doesn't want us to fall, but sitting and laying down just seems like to me what's going on here. And that provision is the armor. It's the armor. God is able to keep us from falling, Jude says. Of course he does. And the way he keeps us from falling is by fitting us for successful spiritual combat. All right? And and we're going to keep going. So, So if your aim is to preserve and not be defeated by the schemes of the devil, then you must put on the armor described in these verses. This is how God means to keep us safe until the day of salvation. Keep going. Number five, having our feet fit and prepared. Now, that's the context in which we read about verse 15. So Ephesians 6, verse 15, fitting your feet with the preparation that comes from the good news or the gospel of peace. So I want you to notice We are not fit with the good news. You got to look at the language here. We are not fit with the good news. The good news is the word of God, and the word of God is our sword, according to verse 17. We are not fit with the good news. We are fit with the preparation that comes from the good news of peace. And that's different thinking than a lot of people think. Preparation is what we are fit with. Now, let's just keep going. Number six, prepared to move with good news, power, and purposes. You could say it, prepared to move with the good news power or the gospel power, And the good news purposes or the gospel purposes. I think this means let your feet be prepared to move with the good news. That's not sitting down. That's not lying down. I mean, look, you can fall and get right back up and stand. But this sitting down stuff and this laying around, I just think there's something there. Feet are for moving from one place to the other. If you put on shoes, then the idea would seem to me to be prepared to do what feet are for, moving, moving. And if the fit is preparation that comes from the good news of peace, it means prepared to move with the good news, move with the good news power, move for good news purposes. See, this, all, this, is, this is offense. This is offense. Let me show you some reasons why I think this is the right way to think about this. The background of Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. You can turn there if you want. I'll read it for you. But I think it's it's almost certain to me that Paul has in mind here the words of Isaiah 52, 7. I think this is where he gets his imagery. Isaiah 52, 7 says, 
how delightful it is to see approaching over the mountains the feet of a messenger who announces peace, a messenger who brings good news, who announces deliverance, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Here we, here we got a picture of the feet of people who are bringing good news, and the good news is good news of peace, right? This is where Paul gets the imagery. And if it's true, then the preparation of the good news of peace is absolutely a preparation to move with the good news, a preparation to tell the good news, to announce deliverance and freedom and say, your God reigns. This is good news, you see. So flip over to Colossians chapter three and four. Just go to Colossians. Just turn to the right. Ephesians, Philippians, right? Colossians. Just get over there just a little bit. So here's the, the, uh, the reason that this is what Paul has in mind. This is really powerful. Notice in you think back in Ephesians chapter 6, or even though you're in Colossians, but the passage on spiritual warfare comes right after a passage on husbands and wives. I think that's kind of interesting. And then children, and then parents, and then masters and slaves. In Colossians chapter 3, near the end, you see the same three pairs are dealt with. Wives and husbands, children and parents, and masters and slaves. But then instead of a paragraph on spiritual armor, Paul calls for devotion to prayer. Colossians 4, go to chapter 4, verses 2, 3, and 4. Watch this. He's not talking about armor here. He says, be devoted to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us too that God may open the door for the message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, the, you know, the good news, the gospel of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may make it known as I should. You see what he's modeling here? You see what he's talking about? He's saying, hey, I, you need to pray for me because I got a mission. I have a job in the middle of this battle, in the middle of this war. Would you pray for me that I would say all the right things, do all the right things in the middle of this battle that I would preach Jesus, right? And, and tell people about this good news, right? And look what it says in verse five and six. Watch this. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders. Make the most of the opportunities. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you should answer everyone. Here in a context, much like the one in Ephesians, is an exhortation. It's an admonishment, a charge, if you will, to keep alert on how you can be the salt of the earth, to answer unbelievers' questions and to make the most of the time that you've got for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of Christ. This is what I think Paul means by the preparation of the good news of peace, being prepared and being alert and being ready to talk about and tell everyone the good news. Now, Peter, I mean, he's a part of these guys too. In, in 1 Peter 3.15, he confirms the same sort of thinking. In 1 Peter 3.15, he says the very word ready, it's the same word, preparation, ready, 
is used in the same kind of exhortation. He says, but set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts and always be ready or prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope you possess. So here comes number seven. You ready? Experiencing the power of the good news. So come back to Ephesians 6.15 now. Back to Ephesians 16, just a 6.15, just a few pages backwards. I got one last observation. Watch this. The armor of God is given to believers for them to stand, not sit, not lie down against the schemes of the devil. It's introduced as a defensive armor, but it is offensive as well. It's offense. We are to move with the good news of peace against the schemes of the devil. We're to play offense, not just defense. You see, verse 13, look at verse 13. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so you'll you'll be able to stand your ground on the evil day. And having done everything to stand... Right? So how to stay standing is the issue. Now, if how to stay standing is the issue, right? Quit thinking about falling down, but how to stay standing, right? What can we conclude from the fact that the shoes of verse 15 are the preparation to move with the good news of peace? You see, a ready offense is an essential part of a successful defense. It just is. I don't know who's going to beat who today, whether it's, it's like Tom Brady against the world, right? Against the Bill Belich. I kind of want Patriots to lose. I just do. I don't know. I don't really like the Patriots that much. Kind of like Tom Brady lately. And man, does he know how to play offense. But if they just roll over out there without defense, they're going to lose. If uh, they just play defense, they're going to lose. They got to play offense. It, it works together. It works together. Giving the good news away is the best way of experiencing its power in your own life. If you haven't experienced this, you must, you must do this. You know, a lot of times we just feel powerless in this war. We don't know what to do. And that's how we get all depressed and we get in a funk and we get, start spiraling out of control and everything becomes dysfunctional and, and the world just seems to beat us up to no end and we just become this heap of uselessness, I think, because we never experience the power of the good news in our lives because we never give it away. The best way to taste the power of God in your own soul is to move and engage in the world with the good news. It's the great truth of the Lord Jesus himself. You know, Jesus himself said this. It's a paradox, but listen to this. You'll recognize it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. The more prepared we are to move with the good news, the more life and power and joy and security we know in the good news. I think the reason why the church is kind of impotent, the reason why the church is dysfunctional and just kind of blathering around a lot all over the world, not every church, but by and large, 
It's because we're just not giving the good news away because you know why? Because we're expecting people to invite their friends to church and just let me present the good news and I'll do it. But imagine everybody leaving this room and walking across that bridge and engaging in the battle and telling people the good news of peace. What would happen? And turn that battle inside out and that war upside down. And I didn't even get to all the weapon, weaponry and defensive tools and everything that you got. You got it all. It's amazing. I'm just focused on the feet right now. I mean, look at, look at that. Now, let me read the Isaiah verses, Right? How delightful it is to see approaching over the mountains the feet of a messenger who announces peace, a messenger who brings good news, who announces deliverance, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now that's how you fight the battle. I know that it's difficult and we got all kinds of stuff, you know. He doesn't promise that it's going to be painless. God doesn't promise any of that. It's a war. People are going to die. People are going to get wounded. People are going to get limbs blown off. I'm speaking in metaphors and real in a lot of ways, right? It's ugly. It's purposeful. God's after one thing, love for him. Love for him. And we have a mission now. We have a purpose. It's to tell people the good news. The gospel of peace transforms and changes everything. Everything, doesn't it? Oh, all right, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. You got to keep coming back because there's more. Right? We're going to talk about the digital world that we live in and the internet and that, all that mess. We're going to talk about some of that. We're going to talk about some of these other weapons and and things that we use that I think we, we, we consider some of this armor and everything to be like civilian stuff. And it's not. It's warfare. It's professional grade weaponry. Thank you, Lord, for um, just a few minutes to focus on the good news of peace. My goodness, Lord. Uh, we just don't get to experience it or the power sometimes because we never give it away. I'm never right in the middle of giving it away and telling people about this good news. Help us to be a church that tells and shares the gospel and engages in the battle the way you want us to, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.dalechristian.com.